So he goes on and he says in verse 7, he says, but, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We have to remember that this but is there because it's segueing the, the two things that we're studying here from last week and now this week. Okay, So last week is segueing into this verse 7 and on. So we talked about the unity of the Spirit, and now Paul mentions to us that we have received this grace that was given, given to us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, what is this grace? Okay, We've heard grace before. We all, Most of us know grace. Some of us don't know grace. She's sitting right there. Just kidding. Are the only grace in here right now? No? Grace. Yeah, that grace too. There's all a bunch of graces in Noah's. You know you had Christian parents then, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. You got all biblical names. You got like, I don't know, Nehemiah. And... Anyways, um, oh, look at our kids. Ezekiel, right? Yeah. Uh, where are we? Grace. Okay, so grace. Okay, what is grace? Grace is that which affords joy, its pleasure, its delight. It's not something earned, but it's something given. And the Greek word here is cheris. Okay, so it's... Again, it's, it's unmerited favor. It's nothing that you are deserving of. It's nothing that you even earned. It's a free gift, right? And so when we are saved by grace through faith and not of our works, we find out that our salvation is a gift of God because that grace is a gift, right? And you might think, well, I had the faith to believe and accept that grace. Well, you know what? Jesus is the author and the perfecter of faith, right? So you have really nothing to stand on except that Jesus Christ loved you so much that when you technically were not worth it, but to him you were worth it, he loved you and he gave you this free gift. You were undeserving of it. Kind of like a tiny example is like Christmas, right? I'm pretty sure when Christmas rolls around that you are not deserving of those gifts that you get from your parents right? There's nothing cool or good that you did to earn it. It just so happened that you had, you were their kid, right? And they're like, okay, well, I'm obligated to get them a present. You know what I mean? Otherwise, like, I don't know. People think we're bad parents. The same thing with, with Christ. It's nothing that we earned. It's because he loves us. He has chosen us. We are his children and he has given us this gift. Now, specifically in, in this context, the word grace here is speaking of more than just the grace of salvation, but the grace of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit that was given to us. And if you remember in the Gospels that we weren't, we weren't able to receive the Holy Spirit until Jesus ascended, until Jesus left. Remember, he told his disciples over and over again that what I do now, which I tell you now, you're not going to know until I leave, right? And it was then that the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. They finally, like, realized everything because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So, one of the Greek words that is often used to describe spiritual gifts is the Greek word uh, charismata. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but you get what I'm saying. This is where we get our English word, words like charisma or charismatic, and the word means a work of grace. Okay, so here this grace, again, speaking of the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gifts us with spiritual gifts, right? We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. We see it in Romans, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Now, what was the supreme gift of grace? We see it was the Spirit of God. And God, again, He gives us gives us the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is the one who, who gives us gifts. It's like it's working its way down. 
So grace here is in the reference is reference to the spiritual gifts that God gives to each other to, to, to us within the church body. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans 12 are those spiritual gifts that we are given. And I want to read a few of them off to you because you may be thinking, okay, what are those spiritual gifts? Some of you know your spiritual gifts. Now understand this. If you have, if you have been born again, you have received what? Salvation. And upon salvation, you also receive, yes, which we'll call the Holy Spirit, right? So you receive the Holy Spirit. And as we just talked about, the Holy Spirit then gives you what? Spiritual gifts, right? So, and, and that's for everyone. If you have been born again, you have been given the Holy Spirit, which means that you have a spiritual gift. You are not an anomaly where you're the only Christian that doesn't have a spiritual gift. Okay? Understand that. Now, you may only have one. You may have, the, you know, the one that you think is the least of all of them. Right? Or you may have four of them. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord and, and what I see in ministry. But you have a spiritual gift if you've been born again. And you may just not know what it is. And I think it's important for you to know what it is because the importance is that then you use that gift that God has given you to build us up within the church. It's necessary, right? It's, it's like being afoot but not doing your job, right? It's like I, it goes limp, okay? Then what can you, you can't, you can't walk, Right? So it's necessary for you to know your spiritual gift and to utilize it. Spiritual gifts, you'll, again, you'll find them in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well as Romans chapter 12. So on your own time, because I don't have the time to study over it right now, I want you to go look at that and pray and ask the Lord, what is my spiritual gift? And I believe that he will reveal it to you and you will grow within it. And again, when I'm talking about spiritual gifts, I'm not talking about talents and abilities. Okay? I'm not talking about your beautiful and amazing voice. I'm not talking about your awesome dancing skills or your artistic skills, although you do have those and God has given those to you and you can utilize them. I'm talking about spiritual gifts. So here, a couple of spiritual gifts. We have word of wisdom, and I'm not going to explain what they are because I don't have time. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, teaching, faith, gifts of healings, gift of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, helps, which is an easy one. We can all do that. Exhortation, giving, uh, leading or administration, mercy, evangelism, tongues, and interpretation. Okay. So those are, those are some spiritual, those are the spiritual gifts. And so you have one of those. You need to figure out which one it is. Okay. Again, and you might have multiple spiritual gifts. So again, you might be thinking, well, I don't have one, but look again, verse seven, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. Okay. It doesn't say, but it doesn't say this, but to each one of us, except for Jeffrey, grace was given, right? It says each one of us in the Greek word here, the pronoun means one of an, an agitate in a distributive sense. It means each, every, each one, everyone. Okay. Not just select a few but everyone. Okay. And again, he goes on to say each one of us, the grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, according to the measure of Christ. Now understand it's not according to your measure because if it was your measure, you'd be like, yeah, I got all those gifts. Know what I mean? Like I am 
the greatest, most spiritually gifted in this room. And then there's some of us who think, I have no spiritual gifts. No, we need to find this this balance and we need to seek the Lord at what it is. And again, it's according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Now, I know for me, sometimes I get jealous. I get jealous of the gifts that other people have because I don't have them, right? Or I get jealous of the other ministries that people have because youth ministry can be hard and whatnot, right? But then, listen to this. We, we can become envious. We can become jealous. And oftentimes we want somebody else's gifts or we want their ministries, but we have to realize that it's wrong. We want somebody else's gifts without realizing anything short of hell is grace. So you may be thinking, well, I only have the gift of helps. <laughs> you have been given a lot of grace just to receive only the gift of helps. Remember, anything short of hell is a gift of God. It is grace because we are not deserving. Just to have a gift at all is certainly beyond what any of us deserve. And we need to find that contentment in Christ and know that if I only have this one gift, then so be it. I'm going to do it well and I'm going to do it with excellence. And who knows? Because it comes from the Holy Spirit, because it comes from God and not from you, that he may be he may give you more so don't become envious don't become jealous find out what your gift is and do it well and use it in the body of Christ it means use it within the church okay use it within this ministry the word again for grace is cherish which means that you don't uh, you get what you don't deserve and it's Christ who is a source of every bit of it I love it remember we talked about unity earlier, but we also talked about within that unity, we're very diverse, and that even goes with the diversity of our gifts, okay? So we're not all going to have the same gift, okay? We're not all going to have the gift of tongues only, right? Otherwise, that'd be like really weird. Then like how else would we edify one another in different areas, okay? So we're all diversified in our gifts as the amount and as to the gifts themselves. So he goes on to say in verse 8, and this is, again, as we read this, I want you to understand this is in context of what we're studying. He says, therefore, he says, this is Paul speaking, and now he's quoting Psalm chapter 68, verse 18. He said, when he, speaking of Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Okay, so again, we see the gifts given here to men. Again, we've, we get that gift of the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit is like, I got even more gifts spiritual gifts now this in verse 9 he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things you're like i don't get where he's going did he descend ascend or descend where is he at right now what does that even mean i have no understanding of this me neither i'm just kidding no at first i didn't i want to understand this in verse 8 as he's quoting Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, he's saying that he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is a picture of a triumphant warrior who returns from battle, a victorious battle, and he leads a parade of prisoners, the captive prisoners, and then he takes what he's gathered and what he's plundered from this victory and he gives it to the people. He takes those gifts, he takes those treasures that he has conquered, that he has taken, and he distributes them. 
but it's more than just that picture here we see that paul is linking this event that we call the ascension when he ascended on high as in giving gifts to men okay now listen to this when you read in the gospels we know that when jesus died what happened he rose again right three days later and after he rose again did he just like all right i'm going to heaven peace out right no he actually appeared to some people you remember this remember we talked about this in 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 john and so he appeared to the disciples for a period of over about 40 days and then he ascended into heaven now through this ascension into heaven which means he just went to heaven fancy word right that is when the holy spirit was then given to us as christians and given to us as a church right so as as jesus departed we then received the holy spirit we see this in john chapter 16 verse 7 jesus spoke to his disciples and he said nevertheless i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you but if i depart i will send him to you interesting right now you may be thinking well it would have been better if jesus just stayed on earth for the entirety of ever (laughs) right jesus could show up and fill in one day and teach that'd be great right you're like yeah that's that's jesus But you know what's not great about that? Even though he was God, he was also a man, right? And every man that I know is not able to be in two places at once. And every man that I know is also limited to their human nature, right? They get hungry. They get tired. They have to sleep. They have to do this. They have to do that. And so Jesus, because he was also 100% man, was limited to those, those laws. And so Jesus couldn't be in two places at one time. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, we then receive him in our, in our lives, in our hearts, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, wherever I go, he is with me, right? And now I receive the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. So it's a good thing. It was to our benefit, Jesus said, that he left. Because then we receive the helper. And I love how Jesus says the helper and not so much Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is our helper, Because I cannot live this Christian life and I cannot do and walk in the spirit without the helper. Right? Or else I'd just be walking in the flesh and doing the dumb stuff that I would want to do. So Jesus, again, he tells them that the Holy Spirit wouldn't come until he departed. And then when we see in Acts chapter 1, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And that is then when they received the power from the Holy Spirit. And when they received the power from the Holy Spirit, what happened? They receive giftings. And through those giftings, we see people coming to Christ day after day upon the thousands were being added to the church. Right? You know, what we do as Christians is not some manufactured, man-made thing. It's not some, you know, 10-step blog posts of do this and that. It's being, it's, it's, yes, it's, it's knowing the commandments and studying God's word, but it's also being led by the Holy Spirit which the Holy Spirit is never a boxed in thing. It's never a structured thing. You know, one day the Holy Spirit might tell you to do this while another day the Holy Spirit might tell you to do something different. Now, it will never contradict God's word and it'll never tell you to do something that goes against God and his nature and his spirit. Okay, understand that. But we cannot box him in. And so with the Holy Spirit, they receive these gifts and again, they utilize those gifts and we see that all throughout 
Acts, and that's how the church started. It was the foundation of those apostles, and now it's it's how we continue church, right? We continue church upon the the apostles' doctrine, uh, the breaking of bread and, and prayer and fellowship, right? Like that's that's our motto as a church, and so that's why it's so important for us to get together to fellowship, to break bread, you know, to uh, to uh, study the apostles' doctrine again, which is just a fancy word for the Bible. So. Again, quoting Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, um, talking about being ascended. So as he ascended to heaven, we received the Holy Spirit. And then when he talks about being uh, descended, right? He says, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Some of us might think, well, maybe that's Paul speaking about when Jesus died in those three days before he rose again. That's when he went down to Sheol and he, and he spoke to those who were in Abraham's bosom or paradise and preached the gospel to them, right? I don't know. I don't know 100% if this is true or not. But what I do know is I think that Paul was really just focusing on this is, this is Jesus going to the lowest depths and the lowest depth was becoming man, was descending down to earth, becoming man and dying as a man as God and receiving the wrath of God and so that he could become sin for us, right? Taking our place. The descent here, it has to be, must be the son of God's descent from heaven when he took on human nature and became incarnate in Christ Jesus. We also see here when Paul quotes Psalm 68:18 that in Psalm 68:18. We see that the Lord was receiving gifts in his victory over his enemies. And yet the apostle here quotes the text as saying he gave gifts. Which is interesting. So Paul kind of changed this around. And what it shows us is that he's alluding to God's taking of the Levites in Psalm 68 for himself. Only to give them back to Israel for the nation's well-being. Just as God took the priests for himself, but later gave them back to the Israelites. So too did our sovereign Savior take gifts for himself, but he gave them back to the church upon his victorious ascent into heaven. So again, we see here that all this is because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it comes from him. And the fact that he descended, became a man, died upon the cross, and he said, it is finished then when he ascended, we received the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we received these gifts. And we're going to talk about now, what do we do with these gifts and why is it important? So he says in verse 11, and we're going to stop in verse 12. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now these are the five forms of, I don't know, office or title that is really the foundation and the construction of the church does not make up the entirety of the church. Now, if we look at these in order, we're going to look at these five. We're going to look at prophets, evangelists, um, apost- no, we're going to look at apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers and, and what they are and the difference. Okay. Now, we've talked about this before. We've talked about apostles and what an apostle is. Okay, Are there apostles today? No. Based on the understanding of what an apostle was in scripture, 
No. Okay. Now, does somebody maybe have the, I don't know, gifting of an apostle? Possibly. Possibly. But when somebody claims to be an apostle, more than likely they're, they're just in it for personal gain, which was never an apostle's heart. It was always being a delegate or a messenger sent forth from someone else. So that's why it's, you're very hesitant to, to hear or to believe somebody that says they're an apostle, right? Because it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not a thing. So again, the basic idea of this word is to be sent. Okay, so when we see the apostles in, in context of scripture here, we know that they were ones that were sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to be a messenger. Okay, and all these apostles actually spoke or were with Jesus at one point, which is completely different to anybody that would claim to be an apostle today. Right? And maybe we're thinking, well, what about Paul? Well, Paul had a special contact with the Lord as well. We see that on the road to Damascus. So an apostle, again, is one that is sent. It's a messenger. And now you may think, well, okay, well, aren't we all supposed to be messengers? Right? Aren't we all supposed to go and, and tell people about Jesus? Yes. Yes, very, very much so. Now, the 12 disciples became apostles, right? Except one killed himself. Remember this? Judas. He killed himself. So he never became an apostle. So then they're like, okay, we got, we're missing one. We're down to 11. We need a 12. You remember this? So like, all right, let's, let's vote. Let's vote on this. Let's get a 12th guy. So when they did this, there was uh, prerequisites for them adding this 12th apostle. And it, and it, uh, they said they needed to be like them and that they had been, uh, with them from the times of John the Baptist up to the resurrection of Jesus. So they had to have been with them at that time. It wasn't like they went out to the west coast of California and they saw on LinkedIn that this guy had a really good resume. And they're like, all right, let's, let's interview him. No, they knew these people. They were with them at the time of Jesus and his ministry. Okay. And Paul later says that there were the signs of an apostle. We see in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, which also included miracles. So there was, you know, necessary prerequisites for being an apostle. And that is specifically what Paul is talking about here is those type of apostles. And that was the foundation of the church. And if we look at an apostle today within the church, we don't specifically have them. So we got apostles, then we have prophets, right? Any of us that have grown up in the church, we think of a prophet as somebody who's just a fortune teller, right? That's kind of how we, we think about it. Okay, maybe that's how I think about it sometimes. Well, that's how I thought about it. Yeah, they're just a fortune teller. Or, you know, we use it in our lingo every now and again. We're like, Oh, you're so prophetic, right? You, you told the future and it came about. You're a prophet, right? That's how we use it. Not so much as that's really the meaning. Prophet here, the Greek word, it means uh, literally it's a person who speaks for God. Okay? It's a person who speaks for God. And oftentimes in, in the Old Testament, uh, when we got the, 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 the major and the minor prophets, when they were prophesying, they were speaking for God and they were telling Israel that if you continue to do this, this is what's going to happen. And it, but if you stop and you repent, this is what's going to happen. So it, it's like, yes, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the future, but it's because you're on this path, right? And so God is, is speaking through them and, and showing forth what's going to happen if they are on this path. It's just like, with my kid, if you keep back talking, 
this is what's going to happen, right? This is going to be the end result. So sometimes we see this and we speak of it in a predictive sense, but it's not necessarily so. Prophets are always subject to the discernment and judgment of church leadership, which we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. And as the same with apostles, modern prophets do not speak in the same authoritative sense at which the first century prophets brought God's foundational word. Okay, so it's, it's not the same as it is today. Now, I believe you can have the gift of prophecy. The third thing is evangelists. Some of us have heard this. Some of us heard like, I don't know, a television, TV evangelist or um, you guys know Greg Laurie. He's pretty big within Calvary Chapel movement. Um, he's an evangelist. Um, an evangelist is a very simple thing to understand. It's somebody who brings good news. And that good news being what? Chick-fil-A is open on Sundays now. <laughs> You're like, what? See, even Chick-fil-A takes a Sabbath. If Chick-fil-A does it, then... Anyways, but uh, no, an evangelist brings good news. They're a messenger of the good news, and that good news is the gospel. Okay, And that's what gospel means. It means good news. And what is the gospel? What is the good news? That Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died for you and that he has given you this free gift of grace and all you have to do is receive it. So, as an evangelist, that's your role. That's what you do. You share the good news. Now, people are gifted in that. Okay, I do believe that for all of us as Christians, that we are to be an evangelist in a, in a way, right? We're to go to all nations and we're to make disciples and that happens by evangelizing which means just sharing the good news. Some of you do this within school or you do it, I don't know, you, you do it, right? So you would be considered an evangelist or the work of an evangelist. Um, the interesting thing is that in the Bible, there was only one person who was called an evangelist. Anybody know who that is? I'll give you $5. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have $5. Yeah? Okay. Starts with a P. Nope. 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 Go through all the names. Paul, Peter, James, John. No. Nope. Philip. Oh, wait, wait. But it's not the Philip that you're thinking about. It's a different Philip. And Philip, Philip in Acts chapter 28, verse 8, you'll see that Philip here is considered an evangelist. That It says the evangelist Philip, right? Now, this is not the same apostle that was named Philip, the one that we all know, but he was one of the fellows that had been chosen to help serve food at the church, which we see in, in Acts chapter 6. He was, he was the deacon. He was the servant, right? But he was also used as an evangelist. And you see kind of as we go through Acts, his growth in that and how he used this gifting of an evangelist to spread the good news of the gospel. Um, you know, but Paul, as he's speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verse 5, he tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Okay, so you may be thinking, well, I'm not an evangelist, but I believe that as a Christian, we all should do the work of an evangelist because how could you not share the good news of Jesus Christ if you are a Christian, Right? You just may not be the Greg Glory type where you're doing Harvest Crusades where 100,000 people are coming and you're sharing the good news. You may not be the person that feels comfortable going door to door 
or speaking on the streets, right? But in your personal life, the grocery store, at home, at school, wherever you may be, at work, how could you not share the good news of Jesus Christ? You should be doing the work of an evangelist. Third, fourth thing, we got pastors. What's a pastor? Pastor is a shepherd, okay? Somebody who oversees the flock. And now we know that Jesus Christ is the one and the only true shepherd, right? But he has ordained and he has given people here on earth to not fill that role, but to give by an example within the church, right? So although Pastor Kevin is our earthly shepherd, that's how we'll call it, Jesus Christ is our true shepherd, right? So ultimately we submit unto Jesus Christ and a shepherd oversees their flock and there's so much that we can talk about, but I don't have time to do it. Um, but a, a few things is that a shepherd requires self-sacrifice and a laying down of their life for the sheep. Um, a shepherd involves protecting the sheep. A shepherd knows the sheep. A shepherd disciplines and teaches the sheep. So it's, you know, you have to have a heart of a shepherd. We say that a heart of a shepherd, right? Somebody who loves their sheep. And if, again, we're talking about a shepherd because in this time, they knew what a shepherd was. It was it was prevalent within their society. Nowadays, we'll drive through Clayton and there's probably not a single shepherd, right? Um, so they understood it and we have to understand it within their historical context of what a shepherd was. Um, fifth thing is teachers. Okay, so we got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What's a teacher? If you're like, yes, I know this one. But I don't know how to explain it, so I'm not a teacher. It's one who explains the things of God to others, right? It's basically what we're doing right now, okay? It's understanding the importance of God. It's helping his people learn to hear and understand his word, okay? Now, you will learn, I hope, a lot on Sundays and Wednesdays, but you will learn way more, way more on your own. You will. Now, that doesn't mean we forsake this gathering and this teaching. Um, but again, you also can't just use this and forsake your alone time in the word of God. Um, even back in Deuteronomy, it was and we see the importance of it in, in chapter 8, verse 3. And we'll come in for a close in a minute. It says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So we see here the importance of the word of God that we we must live by it. And so if we see an importance here, we see that as he's ordained teachers, that there's an importance to that role, that we must teach the word of God, that we must understand the word of God so that we can equip one another, so that you can be equipped to do what? Well, let's see what this equipping does. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. You guys have read this. If you haven't, listen. It says, All scripture, meaning this entirety of this book, is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Man, how we need that. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You are incomplete if you do not have the word of God, if you do not read it, you will not be equipped. You will be incomplete. You need it. 
it's important you hear it a lot that you know teachers and pastors and parents are like did you did you read your word you know it's not like it's a it's a requirement as a christian to get into heaven right but if if you want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your lord and savior jesus christ if you want to grow in spiritual growth it happens by this and you might think well why a book couldn't it be a movie <laughs> right why a book why do i have to read can i just pray yeah you can but don't forsake the word because it tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus spoke with words and that's why the importance of the word is you learn through words and jesus is the word I want to become more like Jesus, so I'm going to read him. <laughs> That's what you do. And you grow. And it's living. It's active. It's not like any other book that you will ever read. Because understand, any other book that you have ever read in your entire life was written by man and man alone. And it will just move you through emotions and imagination. That's it. But this will literally change your life. It is powerful. And not just in a cliche change your life. No, it works. It's active. It, it, it cuts through bone and marrow. You have to believe it. You have to read it. It goes on to say, and we'll close here in verse 12, that the importance of these roles is to do this, to equip the saints, right? And this all happens under the foundation of the word of God to equip the saints, which means that you and I need to be equipped because we are the saints, okay? Not the holy people in the corner. We're all saints. We've talked about this before. A saint is just a fancy word for somebody that's been born again or a Christian. So to equip the saints, what? For the work of ministry and ministry is what? Simple word again. Serving. Thank you. For the work of serving. Just put it that way. For the work of ministry, if you want to be considered a minister, if you speak of a minister, it means a servant. That is what the word means. Okay, so you are to be equipped for the work of ministry, for the work of serving. So we see the necess necess uh, necessity of you serving, okay, each other. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means to be built up. It's building up. It's the process of building or construction. And it's also used figuratively of spiritual strengthening. It's important. It's how we, we grow. And not just in a growth in numbers. Okay? Because that's not our focus. It's a growth in our lives. It's a growth within our spirits. It's a growth within us as followers of Jesus Christ. And this doesn't happen by isolating yourself. Right? It doesn't happen by isolating yourself. And that's why I wanted to encourage you guys prior to this, that when we end our study, that I want you to go encourage other kids, or if you see other kids in the next coming weeks that aren't a part of our, our ministry, to be a part of our ministry so that we can do this for one another, so that we can build up and edify one another. Right? It's important. It's important that we grow together. It's important that you grow, period. Otherwise, you're stagnant and you can't be used right or you're like the fig tree that doesn't produce any fruit and jesus did what cursed it right so i don't want to be i don't want to be that i'll close with this the primary purpose of the church isn't isn't to convert sinners to christianity but to perfect 
complete and mature the saints for the ministry and the edification of the body.